Welcome to season three of the Soul Songs and Shenanigans show. Say what? Guys, if you can't tell, I am so excited. Thank you for being here today. My name is Cassandra Powell, if we've not met already, and I am your host. Well, it's been such a pleasure to meet some of you over the last couple of seasons that listen in, and I really hope that I get the opportunity to meet more of you in this current season. Well, today's topic is called Bloom Where You Are Planted. He was inspired by the Bible character Joseph, who faced some really hard times in his life and the testimony of how God used him. But before we get into that, let's talk about our snack situation. Well, it's apple season around here, which is such a fun time. So I decided I need some fried apples with cinnamon and some whipped cream. So good and so comforting. Well, let's dive into our topic for today. Bloom where you are planted. Have you seen that saying, bloom where you are planted? If you haven't seen it, you've probably heard it before. Well, I've seen it on coffee mugs, journals, t-shirts, and the list goes on. I've seen it all over social media. And it sounds really cute, right? But it's not always easy to live out. Well, I've recently been going through the story of Joseph in the Bible. And this story, if you've not read it, or maybe you just want to review the story, it's found in Genesis 37 to 50. And I was just drawn to this story because I've been in this season where I've been feeling stuck. I've just been having a difficult time just trying to figure out what the next step for me is in, in certain areas of my life and just feeling frustrated with, I guess, feeling stuck. I don't know another way to put that. And so, you know, in my prayers, I'm just asking the Lord, okay, you know, should I do this or should I do that? Or am I just supposed to stay still right now? And just trying to navigate through all of that. And also just wondering why certain circumstances are being allowed to happen and just questioning God about those things. Or, you know, why are these people treating me a certain way? Why are they saying not the nicest things about me and things that are not necessarily true? And why are these people not for me, et cetera, et cetera. And the story goes on and that's a story in itself. But I've just been frustrated, I guess, with just feeling like I don't necessarily deserve that kind of treatment. And, you know, I don't know if you've been in this situation before where, you know, somebody believes something about you that's not true and you literally just want to scream it from the mountaintops what the truth is. And God is like, you just need to stay still and not do anything. And that for me is really hard. I'm the kind of person I want to defend myself. I want to talk it out. And God's like, you need to sit down somewhere and just be quiet. So it's definitely not been easy for me. And so I understand that God is just asking me to sit still and to allow him to fight the battle on my behalf. And so this brought about this whole, you need to bloom where you are planted because it's uncomfortable, right? I would just rather jump out of the fire. I'd rather jump out of the circumstance, out of the trial. And God is saying, there are things and there's lessons that I want to teach you right now in this season. And so I think that's why I was prompted to go and just take a closer look at the story of Joseph. Cause I'm like, wow, Joseph went through a lot of things now. I will say what I'm going through is so small and minute compared to what Joseph went through. 
And so I don't know, maybe just reading through this story, I'm like, okay, well, maybe my situation is not that bad after all. So I'm going to talk to you today about some of the lessons that I've learned in through reading this story again. And, you know, I've heard it over the years and learned about it in Sunday school and all of these great things. But I just really am starting to look at the different things in the Bible and just really figure out how can I apply this to my life? What can I take out of this as opposed to just reading through it and thinking, okay, I know it. I've heard it before. The amazing thing about the word of God is that it will bring light to your situation. It will bring truth to your situation and perspective, right? So I've just trying to been trying to study the Bible in a different way. So in going through the story of Joseph, I'm going to highlight different things that have kind of stood out to me. I'm not going to go through every detail because it's a pretty lengthy story, but I'm just going to highlight some things. So in the story of Joseph, uh, his brothers were planning to kill him because they were envious of him because he was favored by his by his father. He was definitely the favorite child. And his brothers were jealous of him. There were dreams that Joseph had where in one of the dreams, you know, basically the brothers were bowing down to him or that would have been kind of the interpretation of, of the dream. And that probably wasn't the wisest thing for him to tell them that, but they were not too happy about that dream. And there's other dreams that he had as well. And so I'm sure, you know, they made fun of him and called him the dreamer and, and all these different things. Well, his father sent him to go check up on his brothers. His brothers were away. I'm just going to modernize it. Okay. So his brothers like were out of town and, you know, they were taking care of business, that type of thing. And his father said, I want you to go and check up on your brothers. So he went to go find them. And somebody told like knew where they were and told him where to find them. And they, the brothers saw him from afar off. And when they saw him, they started scheming about what, you know, maybe they should just kill him. And that is in itself, like the story could just stop right there because it's like terrible. Like how could your own family want to actually kill you and scheme about how they're going to kill you? It's just so crazy to me. But they started scheming and his oldest brother, Reuben, said, hey, like, let's not do that. We don't want his blood on our hands and for that to be on our conscience. We let's not do that. Let's just put him in a pit. And Reuben was actually secretly planning on going back to the pit to rescue him. So they agreed with Reuben that that's what they were going to do. And I don't know, it doesn't say in the Bible where Reuben went at this time. I don't know what was going on, but he wasn't around after they put him in the pit. And the brothers saw this caravan and these traders, these people that were traders on the road, and they decided that they were going to uh, sell Joseph. And so... They got money for Joseph and they sold him. And that's when Reuben found out that the brother was, that Joseph was gone. So these traders now took Joseph into Egypt and they sold him to Potiphar. And so now Joseph was now in this household and he was a slave. And this is like, I'm realizing this is like God's protection over Joseph so because his brothers were planning to kill him, to take him out and God's protection stopped them from doing that. Of course, they didn't realize it at the time, but it was God's protection. And so he was sold to Potiphar and now he was a slave in Potiphar's home. And what I find so fascinating about this is that 
I, he could have been in the frame of mind of, you know what? I did nothing to deserve this. I cannot believe my brothers deceived me. I can't believe my own family did this to me. And now I am here. I don't deserve to be a slave. I should be at home in my father's household. And yet I'm here as a slave. I did nothing to deserve this. So now Joseph is living as a slave. And rather than just having a bad attitude and being bitter about it, Joseph actually excelled in that environment and did his absolute best work. And Potiphar noticed him and was just like, hold on. What, like, what's going on with this young man? And the amazing thing is because Potiphar noticed him and because Joseph made the choice to bloom where he was planted, even though the circumstances were not ideal, he was put in charge of the entire household and everything that Potiphar owned. Now, if that is not favor, I don't know what that is. Not only was he in charge of the entire household, but the Lord blessed Potiphar's household because of Joseph. That is unbelievable favor. So you might be in a situation where the circumstances are not ideal. They're not, you know, what you would like them to be. But if you just follow after Christ, and if you just have the right attitude and the right spirit, I'm telling you right now that God will grant you favor. I've seen this in my own life, and it's been difficult because all I want to do is like look at the negative things and look at the things that are trying to hold me down or hold me back. And I'm like, hold on a second. If I just follow after God, I follow after his will for my life. If I just wait on him, he's going to take care of me because if he brought me to it, then he's going to bring me through it. He's going to get me through this situation. Well, the twist in the story is Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and this was going on. I don't know how long it was going on for, but in, you know, the Bible says day after day, she was trying to seduce him and he refused and said like, I am, I've been granted you know, uh, authority over your husband's household. And furthermore, this would be a sin against God. And so he refused her and she got really angry and she accused him of trying to rape her. Well, Potiphar ends up throwing Joseph into prison. So now yet he's in another situation that is so crazy. Another situation that he did not deserve. He absolutely did not belong in prison. He did absolutely nothing wrong. And I don't know, I would just love to know his thoughts in that process. Like, you know, was he thinking, wow, like I did the right thing and I still ended up here. And in each situation, I'm trying to do the right thing. And I'm, I ended up here like, God, what, what's going on? Why did this happen? I would just love to know, you know, his thinking and, and his process of going through that in that season. Well, in prison, Joseph became uh, the favorite of the prison warden and the warden put him in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. So I realized that this was God's positioning. God was just positioning him for what was coming next. Of course, Joseph didn't know that he didn't have the Bible to read through and realize, hey, it's going to be a happy ending. He had nothing. He just had faith his faith that all he had to hold on to is that God was going to see him through. And so this was literally God positioning him for greatness and just preparing him for the next step. Well, Pharaoh, who is, I guess you can consider, he was like the king of, of Egypt or that, that nation. And he became angry with a couple of his officials. One was a cupbearer and cupbearer. <laughs> and the other was a chief baker and so I'm like, wow, what all did the cupbearer do? Like, I mean, did he literally just like hold Pharaoh's cup? And then when he was ready to take a drink, he like, did he help him drink? Or 
did he just stand there and just wait until he was going to hold it again? Like, I don't know the things that go through my mind. But anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, so he, there was a cupbearer and there also was a chief baker. And they were placed in prison. And not only were they placed in prison, but they were placed in the area where Joseph was located. And the two men were assigned to him. Well, if that's not God's position, I don't know what was or what is. Well, they both had dreams and no one was able to interpret them. And Joseph, when they, you know, they were talking, they were, it says in the Bible that they were worried or they were down and Joseph was asking them, you know, what was going on? And they said, well, we had these dreams and nobody's been able to interpret them and they're, you know, a bit disturbing. So anyways, Joseph will explain to them that interpreting dreams is God's business and God used him in that moment to tell them the meaning of those dreams. And when he explained the meaning of the dream for the cupbearer, he just had one request. And that was, when this comes to pass, all I ask is that you just mention me to Pharaoh. Well, when the cupbearer was restored to his position, he forgot all about Joseph. Like, seriously? <laughs> How did you forget all about this? Like, this man was able to interpret your dream and just had one little request. Just let Pharaoh know about me. And he got out and he didn't even remember that Joseph existed. He was just going on about his day, happy to get his position back and doing his thing and forgot about Joseph. And so you can listen to that. And man, that's really frustrating. That's really hard. But it brings us to God's timing. What is God's timing? It wasn't timing for Joseph to be in the palace. Well, it was two full years later after this happened that Pharaoh had a dream and he you know, had this dream. And so he was concerned about the dream and he called upon his magicians and called upon his wise men, but no one could interpret that dream. And that is when the cupbearer remembers, oh yeah, Joseph, that guy that was in prison that helped me out. So he told Pharaoh the story of how he was able to interpret the dream for himself and for the baker and how both of those things that he interpreted came to pass. And so Pharaoh then summoned for Joseph. Well, Joseph was summoned to the palace. And what I love about this part is that I, if it was me, I'd be so happy to get out of prison and have my opportunity to speak to Pharaoh that I probably would have forgot this part right here. And that part is that Joseph immediately told him that it was not him that could interpret the dream, that it was God. And so he put God first in this situation where maybe in a lot of our humanity, we would have just jumped to the chance to get out and like, oh my goodness, I probably should have mentioned that it's the Lord that can do this, you know? And so he mentioned to him that it is, it's not me. I don't have the power to do this. It's the God that I serve that has this power. So God knew that he could trust him with this opportunity and coupled with God's timing. Like it's just so amazing to, to understand what that's, that's all about. And so he was able to interpret the dream. But what I find interesting about this was that not only did God give Joseph the word, but he gave him the strategy so the strategy, like, so here is, this is what your dream means. And not only is this what your dream means, and Pharaoh's like, well, what should I do? God also gave Joseph the strategy. And if that wasn't enough, God also gave him the highest ranking job and only Pharaoh was above him. So nobody else had the interpretation for the dream. 
number one. And number two, they certainly didn't have the strategy. Like that was a setup from God, which is so amazing. Well, by now, Joseph, he was ready, capable. And not only that, but he was mature to take over that position. Like just imagine if he had been placed in the palace directly after leaving his father's home. It would have completely destroyed him. He wouldn't have been wise. He wouldn't have been tried, tested in none of that. No, those things. He would not have been ready. He needed to go through some things and he had to learn how to keep God first, regardless of what was going on around him. So every situation he went through humbled him and this enabled him to live out his purpose God's way. And one of the most incredible parts of the story is how he was able to not only forgive his brothers for what they did to them, but when he revealed it's, you have to read through, I'm not going to go through that whole part of the story, but when years later, when the brothers now were in front of him and did not know that that was Joseph that was in front of them and they needed basically Joseph to give them food because you know, Egypt was going through a famine. And in fact, all the areas around Egypt, they were going through a famine. And so there was no food and everybody had to go there to get food. And it was through Joseph and the brothers are now standing in front of him and don't realize that it's him. And as you go through the story, when he finally reveals who he is, what's so amazing is that he was able to forgive them for what they had done to him. But in addition to that, he also let them know that it was God's plan for it to happen the way that it did. If that is not mind-blowing, I don't know what what is. I was just in complete awe that he recognized, you know what? God literally turned this around for my good. If these things didn't happen to me, then I wouldn't have been in the palace. And then this brings us to God's blessing. Because Joseph made the choice to bloom wherever he was planted, not only did he have God's favor on his life, but his decision to follow after God blessed his entire family and their families. And you know that song, The Blessing, and their children and their children, like such, and it wasn't just for him, it was for his family and their families. Like it's so incredible what God does when we make the choice to trust him and to follow him and to allow him to be in control of our lives. When we choose to bloom where God plants us, it's not only for us, but it will impact and bless those around us. That is the God that we serve. So whatever situation or whatever circumstance that you are currently going through and whatever you're facing and and maybe everything around you just feels so difficult and so trying and so frustrating, you really need to look at it and say, okay, God, are you asking me to, to stay still in this moment? Are you, are you wanting me to bloom where I'm planted? Like, what am I supposed to do in this moment? Help me to learn everything that I need to learn from the moment that, you know, Andre and I got married. I remember the one thing that we always said to one another, when we went through difficult situations, we said, we don't want to come back here. Like we don't want to have to repeat this again. So let's learn whatever we need to learn and let's thrive even in the most difficult moments so that we can pass and move onto the next level in God. Because the thing is, if you decide you just want to jump out of the fire because it's too hard, or you just want to jump out of the trial or the situation because it's too difficult, I guarantee you, no matter where you go or what you do, you're going to come into that same type of situation again. So it's just better to get through it, to do your best, to give your best, to serve God with everything that's inside of you and pass 
this test because you do not want to repeat this grade. You don't want to have to do it all over again. So whatever it takes, I know that it's difficult. I know that it feels excruciating at times. I know that you don't understand. And sometimes we don't understand God's ways, but his ways are perfect. And so it's, it's, we don't necessarily always have to understand everything. But what we do need to understand is that he is in control and that he's going to turn it around for our good. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to harm you. He's trying to mature you and make you better and make you stronger. So make the choice today that you will bloom where you are planted. So that is our episode for today. Thank you for joining me in on season three. Like this is unbelievable. Oh my goodness. We are in season three, guys. Wow. Thank you if you've been with me from day one to right now. Thank you for sticking around. If this is maybe your first episode, welcome to the Soul Songs and Shenanigans family. We're so happy to have you with us. Guys, have a wonderful one. Take care. Bye-bye. Our song for the week is called Promises. It's by a group called Maverick City. It's really cool, the concept that they've come up with. They bring in worship leaders from all over the U.S. I don't know if people come from other areas, but they bring in worship leaders and they do songwriting workshops. And from those workshops, they record the songs that they write. And most, I think I probably love every song that they have put out, but you can check them out on YouTube as well. They have some great like live videos that you can see of some of the songs that were written. And so this song is called Promises. And I just wanted to read to you guys uh, the verse, chorus, and the bridge. So verse one says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. The chorus says, great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. And lastly, the bridge says, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I thought this was so fitting for our topic this week. And so make sure you guys go check it out and listen to it and let me know what you think of the song and also just have this topic as well. Maybe if you're currently in this season in your life. So check it out on our Spotify list under the name Soul Songs and Shenanigans, where you can find not only this week's song, but all of our past week songs as well. So have a wonderful one. Take care.